We've heard some stories this week, and uh, it goes without saying that we are full of telling stories, amen? We all have a story to tell, we all have something to share, and sometimes we just have to be careful that the stories we're sharing are true. And so I just want to address a story I've heard this week, uh, and I just want to be clear uh, that there's a lot of stuff that's happening in the life of our church, and a lot of things that are going on, and uh, God is directing us, He's moving, and He's doing some mighty things, and that's something to be excited about. But what we can't do is we can't let the unknown divide us, okay? And so what I'm talking about is we're talking about a campus building plan, and we've shared some of that with the church, and... I want you to know as a church body that no decisions have been made yet, okay? Nothing final has been made. Nothing final has been set in stone. Nothing can happen until we have approval from the district and approval from you to do anything new that's going to cost any sort of money or do any kind of financing, okay? So everything that you've heard has been talk, okay? Some of it is true. Some of it maybe is just happenstance or opinion, But I want you to know that we will come to you as a church body so that you know the final plan, okay? So something that has happened is the Samaritan's Closet has been over in the old Red Cross building. And we had a gas leak and a furnace problem and a water heater problem. And so what we've decided as a church board and leadership team is that we do not want to put more money into a building that is really struggling to stay upright until we know the big plan. Thankfully, we have other facilities that we are going to be moving the Samaritan's Closet into the Wade Building because we've lost a tenant over here and we have space for them. And so that's what's going on right now. That's a story that's true. That's a story that's happening. That's a story that's been board approved. Amen? And so you can count on that. You can claim that. As far as tearing buildings down and building new buildings and, and moving the church to Griggsville, I don't know, you know, none of it is true as far as being final, and so I want to remind us as a, as a people, as a church, that we are in this together, okay, and we can't move forward together if we're going to allow stories to divide us, okay, so I say that as lovingly as I can as your pastor, that uh, it is our desire to move forward together, And we want to do that with your mindset in mind as we lead this church the way we feel the Lord is leading us to do that. So I want to just thank you for being involved and being active. I want to thank you for that. But I also want to encourage you, if it's not gospel, don't speak it as it's gospel. Amen? Amen. All right. Now i got another story for you. You like that segue? That was good, right? In the book of Mark... That's in the Bible, it's in the New Testament, it's in one of the Gospels, the first four of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, is where you'll find this story. But what's going on in this story that I want to share with you this morning is Jesus has started his ministry and he's begun to call people as he's had encounters with them. He's been able to go to them and say, you know what, you're one of mine, will you follow me? And he's grabbing disciples, he's grabbing people to follow him in the midst of all of this crowd that is following him as he's teaching and preaching. And in this story, Jesus is, is, is going down to the seashore, which is a very common thing to do in this time. It's where the people gathered. It, I, I'm going to take liberties here to say that the seashore was probably one of the first churches. Because churches where there's a gathering of people. 
and Jesus was at the seashore teaching quite a bit. So there was people there that were following him, and as he's going down the seashore, he's seeing what the fishermen are bringing in and the catch for the day, just like many other people. But the difference with Jesus is that he had a following. He had an entourage that was with him because people had started to listen to what he was saying and they started to see that he's got some authority and some power that we're curious about and so we want to see what he's going to do. And they were excited about what Jesus was doing. So they're down at the seashore and, and as the people are gathering there, there's a lot of other people that gather at the seashore. Some that are there to, to do business because that's where everybody's at. So if, if you had business with somebody that you, didn't, you couldn't get them at your office, but you knew that they, they went to a certain place at a certain time every single day, you would probably go there. Well, there's a, there's a certain man that did that in this story. He went down to the seashore and he set up his booth. He was a tax collector. I'm not going to ask you today how many of you try to avoid the tax collector in your life, but the reality of it is, is we all got to pay taxes, and so he's having trouble collecting his tax, so he goes down to the seashore to collect his tax, and nobody wants to go to his booth. Can you believe that? Are you with me? Who here likes to pay taxes? So who wants to go to his booth? You're still not awake. How can I get you to wake up? Nobody's going to his booth. He's by himself. And Jesus takes his following and he comes up to Levi. We know him as Matthew. And he says to Levi, says to Matthew, he says, he didn't even ask him. He says, come, follow me. Be my disciple. I want to pause there for a minute. How many of you have ever been in a job? You don't have to raise your hand that you've just begged and pleaded with the Lord, God, just show me a sign so I can walk off of this job and start something new. I've been there. And if Jesus would have crossed my booth at that time, I would have been like, thank you, Jesus. I just had an encounter that's gonna change my life forever. And that's exactly what Matthew did. He's like, you know what? This is horrible. The way I treat people is not good. The people I run around with is not good. And now this man who has this incredible following comes straight to me face to face and says, Matthew, come be my disciple. And the Bible says Matthew left and went with him. Wow, he left his livelihood. He left everything he knew to follow this man because he believed in this man and what he was doing and it radically changed his life. It radically changed who he was as a person. He was so excited about this that he, wasn't, he hadn't changed his circle of influence yet. He hadn't, he hadn't changed anything about his personality or some of those flaws that he had. Jesus didn't say, you know what, Matthew, why don't you go down to the, to the temple and purify yourself, and then I'm going to be back here two weeks from today, and we're going to go over everything that you needed to do to make sure that you've done it so that then you can come be my disciple. No, that's not how Jesus works. Jesus said, I'm standing here face to face with you. I've got something that will change your life. You come follow me. And he does. And I can't, I can't explain this enough. Matthew is so excited that his first instinct, because he still is in this old life and these old habits that he has, is to throw a party and celebrate. I love that. I wish that somebody would have thrown a party for me when I had my life changed. But Matthew is so excited, he invites all of his friends. But guess what? His, his friends are kind of the 
the lowlifes, the scum of the earth, the, the rejects in the community, the, the less thans. But Matthew doesn't see him that way. And he invites all of his friends to his house and then he says to Jesus, Jesus, I want you to come to my house for this party. I want you to come to my house and we're gonna have this entire celebration because I'm trusting you that you're gonna change my life and I wanna celebrate. And so Jesus goes and Jesus has this following of people that don't really know and understand what he's doing, but he also has this following because he's teaching scripture of people that are, that are religious people that are following to see if he'll mess up. And so Jesus, everywhere he goes, he has this following. He goes to the seashore, he has this following. And in fact, he goes to this private party that was by invite only, we can only assume, because he's inviting Jesus to come. And it says he invited his friends to come. I doubt that he invited the religious people to come. Anyway, Jesus is there, and so the religious people are following him, but they're not invited, so they got to stay out. And they start to talk amongst themselves, and they ask this question. Why does Jesus associate with such scum? Why does he associate with such scum? And this is how Jesus responds. We're going to kick off our text this morning from Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 17. He hears the Pharisees, they don't like what he's doing, and they says, why does he eat with such scum? And this is how he responds. When Jesus heard this, why, do they, why does he eat with such scum? He told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. You see, Jesus was willing to do things that the righteous people were not and that they, were, they did not like in order that he could change the lives of people who were sick and hurting. He wanted to do things that the religious people were not doing in order to reach people that needed saving. I want to ask you this morning, are you a rule follower or a rule breaker? Are you a rule follower or a rule breaker? I wanna, I wanna illustrate this, I'm a rule follower. Uh, uh, and for this reason, I believe that rules are made to be followed. Somebody spent a lot of time to put rules in place so that we would follow in order that they would happen that certain way. So I'm a rule follower. If, if I know that there's a rule in place, I want to keep it. I don't want to go against it. I want to make sure that I do the right thing. Some of you that I know are the opposite of that. You are rebellious by nature. I won't mention any names, but you know who you are. And uh, you believe that a rule is made in order to be broken. Amen? I wasn't going to mention your name, so I won't, I won't mention your name. But yeah, he's over there nodding. He knows who he is. Rules were made to be broken. Rules were made to be stretched. How far can I get? So are you a rule follower or a rule breaker? The next question that I have to ask when it comes to this, though, is are there rules worth breaking for the bigger picture? 
Are there some rules that are worth breaking for the bigger picture? Let me, let me share another story with you. As I was growing up, I grew up in the church and my dad was a pastor. And, and so there were a lot of times that we were encouraged and we were compelled to invite our friends to church, believe it or not. That was, a, that was something we did as kids. And, and, and I remember when, when God got a hold of my life and I began trusting him as, as, a, young, as a young boy, I, I was excited. And so I wanted my friends to come with me. I wanted my friends to come to church with me. And so I would invite my friends to church and I'd say, you know what, you should come to church. That's so exciting what God's doing and I just want you to come and you can sit with me and, and we'll have fun and then, then we'll bring you home. It's, it's all gonna be good. And I would try to keep it as, as vague and as general as possible, but I was intentional about saying, you know what, I want you to come with me. I wanna bring you with me to church. But you see, I grew up in the church so I knew what the rules were. I knew that when I walked through the door, because this happened to me, you're not supposed to run in the sanctuary. I remember being a little tight. One of the first memories I had in Washington, Iowa, we were running up. We weren't even in the sanctuary yet, but we were running up the stairs to get to the sanctuary. And the the lady that played the organ stopped us and she just got right in our face and she said no running in the church and my dad was standing right next to her my dad didn't say anything but she made sure i knew the rule so you see i knew the rule don't run in the church you take your hat off when you're in church you, you you don't yell when somebody else is talking you you don't throw balls in the sanctuary you know things like that those are rules of the church that we keep right here's the deal they're all man-made rules so I invited my friends to church and there was one Sunday I remember inviting my friends and they didn't come and it was one of those services that it was just so awesome. And I thought, you know what, God, that would have been so great if, if he could have been here with me today. And so I invited him again, you know what, you need to come to church with me. I'll bring you, we'll bring you home, we'll even feed you afterwards. Just come to church with me. I want you to, to experience what we're experiencing. And he didn't come with me that, that, next, that next time and, and it was one of those services that I was just like, God, that was perfect for him. I wish he would have been here. Then I keep inviting and the one time that he comes, the one time that he comes, it was in the summertime, we were playing baseball, he's on my baseball team, we were so excited and he didn't know the rules of the church. But we come in and we sit down over in the side section where all the young people sit and we were sitting over there and, and my buddy had his hat on and three different people came up to him, very sternly, very meanly, kind of in their face like that lady was to me. You need to take your hat off in church. We don't do that here. God, help me. Because my friend never came back to church with me. He never came back. You know, we, we want to do things that, that please the Lord, but sometimes our preferences and our rules get in the way. I'm full of stories today. I got another one for you. I, we, were pastoring, or we were associate pastors in Sand Springs, Oklahoma, in a very small church. It was a very traditional church, and we, we were kind of given the opportunity to, to lead the children's department, and, and I had never led children before, but I was so excited to just go and reach children that didn't know Jesus 
with the love and the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. And so one of the things we did is we said, you know what? We haven't done a VBS in a long, long time. We're gonna do a vacation Bible school for the entire community. We're gonna canvas it. We're gonna do it big. We're gonna do it great. So we sent out flyers. We sent out postcards. We went door to door and knocked. We did everything you could do, and we pumped this up. We got our church so excited to come that the Wednesday night before it started, I gathered the entire church together. I said, we're canceling normal services. We're gonna have a train session in the sanctuary I set everybody down front and I said to them this is the first thing I said to them every single rule that you have created for this place must be willing to be broken this week because there's going to be kids that are coming into this church that don't know that you're not supposed to jump over the pews like hurdles and they're going to jump over the pews like hurdles They're going to crawl under it. They're going to be running in the sanctuary. And guess what? It's okay. Because they're going to hear about Jesus. And we hope and we trust him enough that them hearing about Jesus will be worth us breaking a few of our rules. You see, sometimes we've got to be willing to break some rules in order for the bigger picture. I want to rewind in our Bible story this morning that we started with Jesus. He's called Matthew, but right before this happened, Jesus is teaching in in somebody's home. He's going through a lesson. He's teaching the word, and this is what we read in Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 1. So I want you to follow along on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. But here's what it says, Mark chapter 2, verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum. Now, what you need to know about Capernaum, that's the area where Jesus was from. And so here's why this makes sense in this next line here. The people heard that he had come home. Jesus was there. They knew him. So even the crowd was even greater because he's in a place where they know who he is. Verse 2, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left not even outside the door as he preached the word to them. Some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Wow. Your sins are forgiven. I want us to start thinking about something today as we continue this series on shared relationship. I want us to think about, are we a church? Are we a people who will do the following? Will we do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ? Will we do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ? Will we do anything to connect with people that no one is reaching, we are going to do things that no one is doing? Are we a church who will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Jesus Christ? Will we connect with people no one is reaching by doing things No one is doing. If you hear nothing else today, I hope you hear those two lines. Because we need to have a love for people without Christ. Amen? So you have on your, in your outline, if you're taking notes, you have another scale. This will be the last one, unless the Lord wants us to keep this going. But 
We've had a scale every, every week in this series of messages to kind of help us rate ourselves on where we're at on this scale. So love for people without Christ. This is for you personally. I don't want you to look at your neighbor and nudge them and tell them what they are. On the, on the scale of from one to 10, and that word up there is apathetic. That just means that, that we just don't care. We don't see anybody the way God sees them. It's just, we just kind of stay in our own world and we're just apathetic to anything else that's going around. The word pathetic is in there. That's a really good word for this message as well. So if you're, if you're on that scale, be honest with yourself. But number 10 is passionate. We're passionate, but don't circle number 10 unless you're Billy Graham. Is Billy Graham here today? No, he's in heaven, <laughs> thankfully. But don't circle number 10 unless you're Billy Graham. So let me help you kind of fill out this scale. If you're gonna score yourself high that you see people with the love of Christ, this is probably describes you a little bit. If you scored a seven, eight, or nine, maybe you've done this in the last week or two. You probably have led somebody to Christ recently. You, you've maybe even more than one. You, you're praying for several people on a daily basis that don't know Christ. And I'm not just saying you're mentioning their name. You are passionately praying for their salvation on a daily basis. You probably brought somebody to church today, maybe last week, and you're already thinking about who you can bring next week or next time. If you did some of those things, then that describes you. You're probably seven, eight, nine, somewhere in that range. Go ahead and circle that. But if you scored yourself a two, three, four, maybe, maybe this describes you. Maybe you've never led anybody to Christ. Maybe you've never talked to anybody about how much God loves them. You rarely bring anybody to church with you, let alone invite them. And you're really not praying for anybody that's not in your family that doesn't know Christ. You see, we had this discussion a couple months ago in our boardroom. And we had our board members rate our church and how we see people. Do we see people the way God sees them? Well, what does that really mean, Pastor? And we spent a lot of time on this. And we, we kind of just, we began to just open up and be, be honest with one another. And it was really an awesome board meeting. Uh, I think I left that board meeting saying that was the best board meeting I've ever been to. And uh, I was so excited to hear the heart of our leaders. Because it, it really comes down to this. When you go into Walmart or you go into Dollar General or you go into Casey's or Haymakers or you go into any place around this community, do you see people the way God sees them? Do you see them as a soul that needs saved? Or do you see them as somebody who's just in your way? Now, I'll be honest. I'll have to admit this. There's times when I'm on a deadline and I, there is something that is counting on me to get this done quickly that I go into Walmart and I literally pray, God, help me to go in here and not get stopped. I've prayed that prayer and I apologize for that. I'm sorry for that. But do we go into Walmart and do we see the person that's right down the aisle from us and do we think, you know what, do they know Jesus? Because I met Jesus one day. He said, come, follow me. I wonder if they've had that encounter. I wonder if, if they've ever had that moment where Jesus looked at them in the face and I wonder what they're going through. Or do we just think, you know what, would you just get out of my way? Would you hurry up and run them through so I can pay and get out of here? Oh, no, they're writing a check. Ah. 
So some of you have been there, right? I believe God wants us to become a people who will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Jesus Christ. And in order to connect with people that no one is reaching, we will be willing to do things no one is doing. From this lesson, I believe God wants to show us two key things we must do when we reach people with the love of Christ. The first one is this. We've got to bear some burdens. We've got to bear some burdens. Mark chapter 2, verse 3 says this. Some men came bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man carried by four of them. I think it's true when we begin to live a life that cares for others beyond ourselves, people become skeptical. People in our society wonder what your slant is, what your agenda is. If you're doing something beyond yourself to help them or to care for them, people today become skeptical. You know, I, I thought of it this way. You know, there's sometimes that we think we need to witness and we need to show the love of Christ. And so we do things that are kind of like drive-bys. Drive-by witnessing is what we're going to call them. And, and I would tell you, how many of you ever heard of a drive-by shooting? Some of you. That's not a good thing, right? That's, that's pretty bad. It's kind of it's evil. It's, it's really scary. And, and uh, I'm going to be bold here and say that sometimes I believe drive-by witnessing can be just as dangerous. Let me, let me share something with you. When we, when we go to, maybe we'll go to a, a sporting event and we'll get so excited and pumped up and we thought, you know what, we'll just make a sign that says something about our faith and you'll see it. If you, if you watch any sports on TV, you, people are carrying signs all the time. I saw it yesterday. I was watching some stuff for college football as it was getting started. There's signs everywhere. And there's always a sign that says John 3.16. John 3.16. John 3.16 is a wonderful scripture. It's the, it's, the, it's the crutch of who we are as Christians. So don't hear that I'm bashing John 3.16. But what I am saying is that when people, all they see about us is John 3.16, John 3.16, John 3.16, John 3.16. And then we go home and we lay our head down on the pillow and we say, boy, I did a good job witnessing today. You're welcome, Jesus. No. Or we've done this before, and I've, I've got I've got I was convicted of this this week. We had a fall harvest party in Iberia when we were pastoring there, and one of the things that we would do is we would get this hayride together, and we would take this hayride through the edge of town out to this other place in this farm area, but we would drive by people's houses. And one of the things that we thought was so creative and so much fun, and it was really cool to see the reaction, is when we were driving by somebody's house that was outside, we'd say, hi, Jesus loves you, and then we'd go on. Well, is there anything wrong with that? No, but does it show people that we care about them? Does it show that we're willing to invest time in their life? Does it show that we're willing to carry their burdens with them. I don't know that it does, and I think that's why people become skeptical. They become skeptical because they don't care what we know. They want to know how much we care. When people see this, they see that we're being intentional with them. When they see how much we care, they see that we're trying our best to connect with them on a personal level. 
We begin to engage in their life beyond just asking how they're doing, but we wanna, we wanna pull them into what God is doing in our life. We wanna go beyond just telling them Jesus loves you, and we wanna walk with them. We wanna get them engaged in a community of faith that believes together to say, you know what, we want you to dive into this Jesus thing. We'll go with you. You see, these guys couldn't get their buddy to Jesus. They couldn't get their buddies to Jesus, and, and, and as they're going, they said, you know what, we gotta get him there because he needs healing. He needs a fresh touch from the Lord, and we gotta get him there, but he can't walk, and we're, just, we're already late. The meeting's already going. Let's just carry him. Let's go, and so they all get their end of the mat together, and they start carrying him, and they're walking, and they see as they get to the house that it's full and there's people that are crammed at the back side of the door and they're looking and they're trying to squint to see Jesus and they're nudging, did you hear what he just said? And I, I think if it was today, there'd be people that are, that are looking and they're, they're got their phones out and they're taking pictures and hashtag hanging with Jesus. Did you hear that? And they're just, they're so consumed on what's going on that they don't see the need that's just walked past them. And when people get so consumed with what is a good thing that we fail to see the need behind us, the people that are behind us look at us and they see our backs turned to them. They see that we don't care about their need. We're too consumed with what's right in front of us that we fail to see what's going on behind us. We don't care about their need. And in fact, some people would see that and they'd say, you know what? We don't care about your spiritual need. In fact, we don't care so much. You could just go to hell for all we care. Wow. God, help us. Help us to not be so consumed with our backs turned to the burdens that are going by that need our help. If we're gonna reach people with the love of Christ, we've gotta carry some burdens. How do we do that, Pastor? Well, let me just give you some ideas. Let me give you some tips because I think we all need to hear this sometimes, especially in our community, in our society. When people are hurting, don't just pat them on the back. Take some time to listen to them. Take some time to really show you care. And in fact, you know, maybe somebody's, maybe somebody's having a baby or getting married and you could send a text of congratulations or give them a phone call, but why don't you go to the shower? Invest in the time that shows you care about them. Or even further, this is one that, that I am so thankful that our community is good at, but I think it bears us to be reminded of it. When we know of somebody who's lost a loved one, Sometimes it's not enough just to say, I'm praying for you. If you need anything, let me know. Go to the funeral. Show them that you care. Spend some time with them. You know, it, it says a lot when people don't realize that we, can, we have access to it, we can find out information, but really to show we care, we, we can go and do something. We can be something to somebody else that shows them Jesus. 
You know, there's, there's some of us that are going through a valley right now. There's some in our community that are going through a valley right now. They're going through some hard times. And it's so encouraging to me that there's people that I call church people, that I call the church. We are the church, capital C, that are rallying around this family in our community saying, you know what? We love you and we're so sorry. We know there's nothing we can do, but we just want to love on you. And it's from various churches. It's from various areas of life in the community. It's right here in our very own children's department that is leading the way in helping reach out to this family. That's awesome. That's carrying somebody's burden with them. I heard another story this week that that really hit home with this. How do you know somebody cares enough? There's there's this real estate agent that I heard about, and she was, she was doing her job, and she was helping a family kind of sell their home. And what she was doing is she was selling their home, and it was for a bad situation because the, the couple was getting divorced. And so she was not only helping them to sell their home, she was going to be helping the husband buy his new home, as well as helping the wife buy her new home. So she, in essence, had three contracts ready to go with commissions lined up for her and her family. And she was, she was helping them as best she could. She was trying to show them that she cared. She, she was a Christian, and she went to church one Sunday in the middle of all these deals taking place, and she saw an advertisement, or she saw a, a group that was starting a study on a book by, by somebody that I am so thankful that he did this, but his, his name is Pastor Craig Groeschel, wrote a book, about how to fail-proof your marriage. And she felt compelled to buy this book for this couple. So she buys this book for this couple. She goes to them. The contracts aren't done yet. She says, before we close anything, I want you to read this book. I want you to read this book that I heard about. And so she gives them this book, and the, the husband goes, and he reads it on his own time, and, and the wife reads it on her own time, and they come together, and they begin to talk about what they've been reading And they came back to the real estate agent and they said, you know what, we want to thank you so much for this book because we've decided not to sell our home, but we want to restore our marriage. She lost all three commissions, but they knew how much she loved them and cared about them. And because she did this, I think this was neat, a neat part of the story. And, and we can do those things and not get rewarded for them, and that's okay because the reward is that we just carried somebody's burden with them. But God blesses obedience. The very next week, she had three contracts that were worth more in commissions than the three that she gave up. Praise the Lord. God will take care of us. He knows what we need when we need it, and he knows that sometimes you are the answer to somebody's burden. What are you doing to carry somebody's burdens? What are you doing to show somebody you care about their eternal destiny? What are you doing to connect and engage so that people who don't know Jesus Christ will come to know him. If we're going to show Christ's love to others, we must be willing to bear some burdens. Number two, we've got to be willing to break some rules. We've got to be willing to break some rules. I, I told you earlier I'm a rule follower, and, and I've been through times when 
I have had rebellious moments. Uh, I have to be honest with you today. If it's a confession, it's a confession. But I will tell you this. There's a few rules that I have never followed in my life. I have never in my life waited 30 minutes before I went swimming after I ate. (laughs) Never have I done that. I have never ridden my bicycle with a helmet. Never have I done that. And in fact, when I was even younger, I, when I would ride in my parents' car, I would not wear my seatbelt. Because that was back in the day that it was optional. And my mom was a seatbelt. And when she would make a wrong turn and slam on the brakes, it was whoop! You know what I'm talking about? Anybody else have the same seatbelt? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So when I was younger, I did not wear my seatbelt. And if you're going to talk to my kids, they will tell you there's times when I go from here to the home, two, three blocks away, and the car's dinging. Dad, put your seatbelt on. I know, I know, I know. So there's some rules that I have never followed. And I'm sure there's some rules that you in your life have never followed. I'm not going to ask you to confess the same thing I've confessed today. But there's things that, that we do that we just think, you know what, it's worth it. It's worth it. I want us to go back to our story for a moment. These guys had to break some rules. Verse four in our text this morning, Mark chapter two, verse four says this, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. So, when I leave the house in the morning, I grab my cell phone, I grab my, my uh, wallet of some sort, I usually put a pin in my pocket, and I make sure that I'm ready to go, I grab my keys, and I'm out the door. These guys had a different method. They kind of picked up a mat, and I'm sure one of them grabbed a shovel because they said, you never know when we're going to need a shovel, right? <laughs> no, probably not. And they go and they take their friend to Jesus And they get there and they see everybody's back turned and they can't get him and they're looking for a way to get in. We can't get in, we can't get in. Hey, wait a minute, I know what we can do. Let's go up on the roof. So we might be thinking, well, did they break rules? Maybe it was their house. Well, if it was their house, why would they have been late? They would have already been there. So it's probably not their house. And they go up on the roof, which was not uncommon, but let me give you some history. I did some research on this roof. I want you to think about this roof for a minute because what was the roof made of in this time frame? The roof was made of, about, of posts or rods that were about three feet apart. And on top of those beams, on top of those posts, was a, a mixture of mud, of thatch, and manure to hold it all together. And the reason that was there is because that manure would act like a fertilizer and there would be grass that would grow on top of that roof and there were many people that would go out on their rooftops and that's where they would kind of relax and and hang out. And so the the grass would grow up and they would just kind of chill out on their rooftop. Be pretty cool. So these guys kind of knew what this roof was made up of and so they get up onto the roof and the Bible tells us, it's not my word, it's not my kind of summation here, it tells us, we read the words, they start digging with their hands through the roof. 
Let me remind you what that roof was made of. Most of us don't like to play in poo. They're digging through the roof. It's not their roof. And then they're digging through a bunch of... mm. Sometimes we're going to have to dig through some... Mm. to reach people for Jesus Christ. You see, they broke some rules. But they were willing to do anything short of sin to bring their friend to Jesus. They got creative. They're willing to reach people who don't know Christ by doing things no one else was doing. You see, I'm so glad to be a part of a church that believes in being creative. And a few years back, this was going on in in the life of some of our people out in the community, and I'm so thankful for that. But as we had a, a discussion about what we can do to reach more people, it was that same kind of ministry of Vacation Bible School, but instead of doing it here, it was the great idea to take it out there. And guess what? People kind of questioned it. I don't know how this is gonna go. You see, nobody else is doing this except for those few that know what it is and they've been doing it. And, and so we don't really know how it's going to work, but we're going to trust God and we're going to pray through it and we're going to make sure. And we, we, we started doing backyard Bible clubs. And I'll tell you what, we've reached more people through backyard Bible clubs that will probably never come through the doors of this church. But they know we care because we went to them and we took Jesus to them. We got creative. That's one of the things that I'm so thankful for that we're part of a church that is beginning to see that it's important that we don't just do the status quo. And I want to tell you that as long as I'm your pastor, I pray and I hope that we never copy another ministry in church. Why should we do that? If somebody else is doing it, let's bless them. Let's encourage them. Let's come alongside them and help them. And so you might think, well, pastor, we've got some things that are similar Samaritan's Closet. You know, somebody had the great idea to sell used clothes for cheap. I'm so thankful for that person, whoever it was. They did an awesome blessing to so many people. But God gave a dream to somebody in our church to say, you know what? What if they can't even afford cheap? And what if we gave it to them for free? What if we blessed them with something they needed, some some clothes to keep warm in their life, but also we're going to give them the love of Jesus. We're going to tell them how much he loves them and cares about them. We're going to pray for them. We're going to invite them to church. And guess what? We see hundreds of people in our community come through those doors every single week. And I would say to you right now, 95% of them will never come through these front doors of our church. It's okay, because we're going to be willing to connect with people that no one else is reaching by doing things that nobody else is doing. Amen? We've got to break some rules. We had a prayer time for our revival time. I'm, see, I told you I'm full of stories today. And one of the prayers that was prayed just touched my heart so much. And it was a prayer prayed that said, God, help us to get creative. 
Help us to be creative, to not stay in the status quo for what we're doing. And that prayer has resonated on our church board as as we've started to talk about for, for months now. I keep telling the church board, and I've said it to you a few times, everything needs to be up for change. Not for change's sake, but we gotta be willing to connect with people that no one else is reaching by doing things no one else is doing. You see, if we keep doing the things the same way and expect different results, we're missing the mark. So unless we wanna stay where we're at, and I believe you can't stay where you're at and go where God wants you to go, but if we wanna stay where we're at, then we shouldn't change a single thing because we're getting some great results from that place. But if we want some different results, look around you. Are you crammed in here? Did you find a parking space pretty easily today? We've got some areas that we can improve on. But we've gotta be willing to do some things that nobody else is doing. In fact, we've gotta be willing to kinda get down on our knees and dig through some poo. Why? Because this is where Jesus wants to meet them. They're probably at the bottom of their pile. And we can come alongside them. And we don't have to stand over them and say, boy, yeah, that stinks. But we need to get down in it with them. We need to bear the burden with them. We need to break some rules. (laughs) It used to be that the church, capital C, big church, the, the church universal was the epicenter of creativity in the world. It used to be that the church, capital C, the the church universal was the the go-to place for all of the arts and all of the things that were new and refreshing. The church was the center of the city. The church led the way in influencing culture. But now people are shocked when churches innovate, when churches get creative. In fact, we've, we've delegated innovation to Apple and Samsung. We have dele- handed off creativity to, to Hollywood and the movie makers. And they're not even that creative because they keep doing the same thing over and over and calling it two, three, four. I don't get it. But we've handed creativity over to them. We've handed over, you know, the meeting of the needs of the poor to the government. We've handed over the the connection and the relationships to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And the church is left standing here with nothing of influence anymore. And in fact, people look at the church now in the society today, and they look at the church and think, you know what, that's just pretty second rate. I can get better somewhere else. Why do I gotta go to your building? Why do I gotta do your thing? They don't because we're not willing to do things nobody else is doing. It's gotta change, folks. It's gotta change. Why does it have to change? It has to change because we have to stop just coming to church. We have to start being the church. We must begin to share relationships with others and we must be willing to do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus Christ. We must be willing to connect with people no one is reaching to do things and doing things no one is doing. 
I want to close with a couple thoughts here this morning. I still believe this. I believe that God wants us to be a people, to be a church for the world where we don't judge people that are without Christ, but we are going to love them to Christ. I believe that God wants us to be a church, to be a people, a church for the world because Jesus didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. He came for the sinners. I want us to be people who will bear the burdens and break some rules because anything short of sin is worth it to reach people for Jesus Christ. So who do you know? The reality of it is, is we don't do any of this change. We don't have any of this. It's never possible unless we all share this relationship. We all share what we have together so that people are aware that we aren't just a place that we go to church. We are the church. So who do you know today? Who do you know that needs Christ? Who do you know that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? I gave you a place to be accountable there, to write down a name, to put somebody in there. You don't have to show anybody that, but put that in your Bible. Keep it there. Start praying for those people every single day. And you're going to raise your number from two or three to seven or eight. Because you're going to start praying for those people, and God's going to give you opportunity to bear their burdens to break some rules, to reach them for Jesus Christ. Who do you know? And then what can you do to expose them to the good news of Christ's love? How can you be Jesus to them? I want us to get real for a moment as we close. I'm going to ask the musicians to come if they would, just to play softly as we close. You can put your notes away and close your Bible. This is just time for us to Talk with the Lord for a minute. So I just want to ask you right now, if you would, to just bow your heads and close your eyes. I, I really just think we just need a time to just ask God to examine our hearts, what he wants to do. So as you're, as you're sitting there with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, nobody looking around, I just want to ask you this question first. Let's just get real for a moment. Whatever score you put on that scale earlier today, if you'd like to increase your score, if you'd like to be able to circle a higher number, would you just raise your hand? You might just be saying, God, I want to raise my number. I want to see people the way Jesus sees them. Thank you. Hands up all over the place. I want to pray for us, those of us that want to raise our number real quick. God, would you just help us right now in this moment? Would you help us this week to increase our number? God, would you give us eyes to see what you want to show us? Would you give us ears to hear what you're trying to tell us? And would you give us a heart that loves others the way that you love us? I want us to stay real for a moment longer, if you would. Heads bowed, eyes closed, you're examining your heart. Maybe you're sitting there today and you realize that you're the Matthew. 
You're the sick person that Jesus came for. You're the person that he came to dig through the manure for. You're the person that he loves unconditionally and wants to help you. If you're that sick person and you've never encountered Jesus, I want you to know that you can do that today. If you want to encounter Jesus today, would you just raise your hand? If you've never accepted Jesus in your life and you just want to accept him today, you want to encounter him, would you just raise your hand? And as you're raising your hand, just look at me. I want to, I want to confirm that with you and I want to pray for you. I won't embarrass anybody. If that's you today, you just want to commit to Jesus and you want to say, Jesus, I need you to make me well today. Thank you. Anybody else? Would you stand with me this morning? We all need we all have been that sick person. We all need Jesus. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Father God, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for the truth of your word that we can hear a story about some friends that really cared about their brother. So much so that they would carry him literally to a place they knew he could get well. And they broke some rules, God, because it was worth it to see their friend come to know Jesus. God, would you help us today? Would you help us, Lord, to be able to write some people's names down that don't know you? To be able to show them Jesus through the way that we treat them, the way that we live life with them, the way that we connect with them. And God, if it's necessary, I pray that you'd help us as a church, as a people, to break some rules, to do things nobody else is doing, to reach people that nobody else is reaching. God, as we leave this place today, would you help us to go with a clear mind and a clear heart because you have cleansed us from all of our sin. And God, would you help us to be righteous to be Christ-like as you help us every single day. We will give you all the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen, amen. We'll see you tonight, 5.30 for choir, 6 o'clock for Operation Christmas Child.